good morning or afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Bets on the Best on the Board. <laughs> I wonder if that was done on purpose. You could do Bets on the Board and Best on the Board. How about that? With me is Andrew DeWitt, Senior Editor for the Sports Betting Section of The Athletic. What's up? Hey, how's it going? How was your weekend? Uh, well, you and I capped it off last night with a live blog of the Sunday Night Football game on the site. So, Yeah? Did you uh, win any parlays this weekend? I didn't do any. I'm actually in New York. Uh, I'm visiting my family, so I forgot when I left Jersey. I'm like, ah, oh, shit, you know, I was in Pennsylvania. I was actually, I was just crossing the border, Pennsylvania to New York on the drive up, and I'm like, oh, man, I forgot. I forgot to do my $3 parlays, so. Oh, no. No. Shit. Up here, I think I would have, though. How's that? Everyone, if you don't know, DeWitt hates parlays, and I love them. Uh, DeWitt's one of those elitist bettors, and I'm one of the fun ones, so this should be an exciting show. Michael Beller's off, obviously, in case you're wondering. Uh, but he did want to give us a couple bets of his to put on the record for him, which we'll get to. So you're going to get DeWitt's bets. DeWitt went 2-0 last week. You're going to get Beller's on the record bets. He went 2-0 last week. For the season, DeWitt's 3-1, Beller's 2-2, two two, uh, which is very impressive. DeWitt, who'd you win on last week? Or this week? I had the Chargers plus 6.5. They got moved to 7 at the Chiefs. And then I had the Falcons and Giants under 48.5. And, and that line moved to... Uh, I think it moved to like 47, 46 and a half by the time kickoff happened. So pretty good. Beller had the Rams plus one. Um, I know we grabbed that, like we talked about grabbing that money line before they run outright last week. And then he had Saints Patriots 43 and a half. That line moved to 41. And I mean, that game came way under. I don't think the Patriots offense didn't look like they knew what they were doing yesterday. It's weird, right? These rookie quarterbacks, man, are not the rookie quarterbacks we're accustomed to. At the moment, Mac Jones. Well, I just think, didn't didn't we think they were to be like the best rookie quarterback class of the last like three or four years, and now they're just all struggling. Justin Fields couldn't do anything yesterday. It was just it was just a tough tough day for the rookie quarterbacks. So, and John Green uh, John Greenberg on uh, on our site on the Athletic wrote an amazing um, just ripping the Bears and saying it looked like the first time uh, Matt Nagy had had actually even met Justin Fields. Like he, he doesn't know how to coach him. It was pretty good. Like, he's laying it all on the feet of the coaching staff and not on Justin Fields, um, which I found kind of interesting. And he's like, he's got to see these play-calling duties right now, or else this team's going to be a mess the rest of the way, um, which I kind of agree with. I don't think Justin Fields is a bad QB. I mean, I know he held on the ball for too long. People were like, oh, you know, nine sacks, they were his fault. But if you're not coaching him right, you know, he's a rookie. Did you see the gift of Nick Foles telling Andy Dalton that the offense just isn't working? No. On the sideline, <laughs> caught them like talking, having a conversation on the sideline, you know, probably scanning over to Andy Dalton's going and then just saying, oh, this isn't working. Like he just shook his head and it goes, this isn't working at all. You sure he's talking about the offense, not the quarterback? I'm pretty sure he was talking about the offense just yeah. based on what we've seen from the Bears all year. But uh, Bears are a mess for now. I don't know. Do you think if he seeds the play call? I mean, and we're talking in the context of sports betting here, obviously. Something could happen. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, they, they could kind of be underdoggy for a little while and surprise some people if fields click somehow, if they figure something out, if there's an announcement midweek that they're going to change the play calling duties, stuff like that, right? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, that's when you want to look at those teams and just say, hey, when is Justin Fields going to figure it out? I'm just not sure you would want to put any money on the Bears this week. This is where, this is where I live, like, with the crazy underdog stuff of, like, the general public stops believing in someone, and then I kind of step in, and I'm like, I'm putting a bet on the other one. So, I don't know. I like it. It's, it's I don't know. 
that, that's why, like, when you ask me, like, who do I like this week, I only have, like, one or two answers for you. I don't have, like, I'm going to hammer these eight teams because I need to have content out there. Right? Like, week one, it was the Texans. Um, this week, it was, uh, who was it? Was it the Bengals? I flipped the Bengals around. Like, they were. Yeah, they were underdogs. Yeah, and I think I, I, I tried to find them as high as minus seven. Um, they only went to plus 350 on BetMGM. Like, I would have I gone higher. Like, BetMGM keeps capping me on all these, <laughs> all these games where I want to go up a little higher. Uh, anyway, I got a Bengals again this week. How do you guys usually do it here? Do you want to jump right into that? you want to talk a little more about stuff? How do you want to, I don't know. Yeah, we usually just jump right into the picks. I'll do my first pick, and then we'll jump back into the Bengals pick for you. Uh, I have the Ravens plus one and a half at the Broncos. Uh, you know, this week, I think the Broncos just, they seem like they're kind of putting it together with Teddy Bridgewater, getting confidence. The defense seems a lot better with Chubb coming back. But they've ha- here's who they've played. Giants, Jaguars, and Jets. Are any of those teams not in the bottom five of the NFL? I mean, I'm just, I just don't think that the, the Ravens should be an underdog at the Broncos. And I know that they struggled this week at the Lions. The Lions came back. The Ravens had to hit that miraculous field goal to win the game. I mean, that was just awesome. But they had like six or seven starters out on defense with COVID protocols for some reason. They were just missing a lot of players on, on defense. And in the NFL, if you're missing five or six starters on, your defensive unit, it's going to be a struggle to win that game. So I just think, you know, I just think the Broncos, while they're proving themselves as an undefeated team and every team that went 3-0 last year made the playoffs, I just don't see them, you know, covering the spread or beating the Ravens, who are one of the elite teams in the AFC still. Is there any degree of you being like, yo, the Ravens are playing without all those defensive starters. They're going to come back roaring with like a vengeance this week. Does that play into this at all? They're going to be rested too. That's another thing in the NFL is we... You know, when you look at the the rest these teams get during the regular season, and now we have 17 games instead of 16, and you only get one bye week still, I think the Ravens' defense should come back roaring. And, I mean, Lamar Jackson, they kind of had that game in cruise control for a little while yesterday, and then I'm not – I kind of like – red zone kind of went away from it and stopped showing it on the DirecTV version, and then all of a sudden they kind of came back, and I, I was like, whoa, what happened here? So I didn't really get to catch all that because red zone kind of went away from that game, but – it was, it was interesting to see how the Lions came roaring back and give them credit because everyone's kind of been counting them out and now they're kind of showing a little fight under their new coach. I don't do red zone. I watch NFL Network. Have you, like, the NFL Network, uh, it's like NFL Live or something. It's amazing. I like it so much. Be- uh, it's like shows better stats, has better uh, recaps. I don't know. Shout out to NFL Network, DeWitt. There you go. All right. Anyway, yeah. So, you know, in, in looking at this as a parlay lover, like I'm, I'm with you on the Ravens. Um, I wonder if that's like could be the base of a of a parlor where you could throw a couple upsets in there, um, money line speaking. Like I mean, they're plus one hundred five, which is just kind of like okay, you know, where do you go from here? Like who are the other three or four teams you kind of build off that as as that's the one constant with whatever you're doing. So yeah, we've said. I mean, underdogs keep winning at right outrageous numbers. They went eight and one in the games, the early games yesterday with several. Underdogs winning outright. I mean, I'm not sure if this is just a trend, but it was definitely in week one. Week two was more even, 50-50. But again, the underdogs came back in week three. Is like, is that trend going to continue or are we going to go back? Is there going to be a week where all the favorites just kind of cash and go like six and two? Because eventually, or at least, you know, in the early games when I was tracking yesterday, like, does it come back towards the underdogs at some point or towards the favorites versus right now where they're not really doing that? Yeah, and you look, I mean, you look at these early lines, they're a bunch of weird money line kind of underdogs. At least to me, like, 
the Cardinals being plus 210 against the Rams, I guess people you know love the Rams, but I don't think they're totally invulnerable. And then you look at the Giants and the Jets, who have both been disasters, but like different levels. Like the Jets have been disasters. The Giants have just lost games. And the Giants are plus 300 against the Saints. The Jets are only plus 90 against the Titans. In a, in a weird way, I think like the Titans are somehow great value here at minus 350. The Jets just aren't doing it. Like the Jets, I don't even see like end of a tunnel light kind of thing going on there, right? Like that's just a that's just a messed up team, man. Again. They just don't have anything they can do right. So Yeah. Anyway, my pick for this week is the Cincinnati Bengals. Um I'm falling more and more in love with them every day. Uh and I I don't know why. It's a Thursday night game. Um they're minus seven against the Jaguars. I think I, I would try and bring that like I was trying to look to see if they already have it. They don't. To get like to minus fourteen I assume is the highest they'd go. They're minus 350. I know it's kind of wimpy taking, uh, you know, this big of a favorite. But this is this big of a favorite with, I want to go more than minus seven. And I'm going to go more than money line. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's yeah, they're going to beat the Jaguars silly, I think. Their offense is clicking. Um, you know, if T. Higgins isn't even back, they still have Auden Tate and Tyler Boyd who are stepping up. It's just like, I just think they're a totally underrated team that's going to win 11 or 12 games when the dust settles here. Do you, another factor is, I, I remember the stat from last week because we were talking about huge favorites on Thursday night football. Huge favorites tend to cover the spread on Thursday night football way more, especially huge home favorites because of the travel and the short week preparation. Do you think that Urban Meyer's first short week in the NFL is going to have a factor in how the Jaguars show up on Thursday? I hadn't thought about that, actually. No. So here's my worry is that the Bengals get up so hard and so fast, they just lay off and it ends up being like a 34-24 game because the Jaguars kind of like come back with just garbage time. Um, but yeah, I, never, I think about the Urban Meyer. It seems like everything Urban Meyer does, even starting with, um, wow, what his comments remember they cut that dude about COVID? And they're like, oh, you can't actually, you can't say that, man. <laughs> it's like he's had misstep after misstep after misstep. The usage of James Robinson, like, and just like all the way, like, yeah, I would say, yeah, he's probably not prepared for a quick turnaround for a Thursday game. He's like, what is this all about? So yeah, it's almost... He's tarnishing his legacy in many ways here. <laughs> and this will, maybe could be another one. Like, this could be a 45-10 to 10 game for Cincinnati, I think. I, w- I assume I'll get capped at 14. I mean, I, I would love to see what the money line odds are for, like, a minus 17 or a minus 20. You, you love teasing up those ones where you just think a team is going to go in there and blow out a team absolutely out of the water. Well, I mean, that's it. Like, I don't, I, yeah, I don't think this is going to be a close win for the Bengals. I think it's going to be a blowout. So I might as well put my money, like, to me, like, the plus bigger numbers are a little more fun than, like, a plus 105, you know, because they're going to cover the spread. Just me. That's how I roll. Uh, let's get Bellers in for the record so we can get that in there. Um, he's got Chargers minus three, and then DeWitt actually filled this out. It just says Broncos Ravens 45. I don't know if he said over or under. I don't remember at this point. I, it's He's going the under on that game. Nice. Do you agree with that as a Ravens file? Um, I mean, I can see why, where the Ravens defense is going to frustrate the Broncos offense. I think the Broncos offense has had some feast weeks based on who they were playing defensively. And I don't, I mean, I think Teddy Bridgewater is kind of an underrated quarterback in general in the NFL because everywhere he's gone, he's been a consistent, steady starter. I think that's what the Broncos were looking for in going away from Drew Locke because he was making too many mistakes and missing open receivers who were 10 to 15 yards downfield. He wasn't taking advantage of the great tight ends they have there. Noah Fant, Albert O, 
Um, yeah, I mean, I can see this game going under, but mostly because the defenses have a little bit more to say in this game than they would. Otherwise, like, I don't see this turning into the Ravens-Chiefs where it was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. He's got Chargers minus three against the red-hot Las Vegas Raiders on Monday night, too. Interesting. Interesting take there. I wonder if that line moves. It seems like the world is in love with Las Vegas right now. The Raiders are everybody's darling. Derek Carr. Yeah. Yeah. That game originally was Chargers two and a half, uh, like last night. So the the BetMGM lines, um, they start moving over. You know, Sunday night as they kind of get start going here. Um, and what they're talking about is how, you know, it, the lines are already published for like the next 16 weeks or however many weeks we have left in the football season. But they start moving, you know, Sunday night consistently once Pinnacle posts them and then BetMGM posts them and they start taking a lot of money on the action, taking more money on both sides. So last night, originally when I was starting to type up the lines, I saw Chargers two and a half. And then it quickly moved to three, and it hasn't moved off that number yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Chargers end up being a little bit bigger of a favorite in that game. Interesting. All right, DeWitt, tell me about your second bet. So your second bet's on the board. I have the Browns minus one going to the Vikings. I mean, the Vikings yesterday pulled out a pretty impressive win. I'm guessing this line probably would have been three or four points. The Browns would have been favored three or four points if the the Vikings didn't bounce back yesterday with a win, so they didn't go to 0-3. I mean, they had a couple of heartbreaking losses to the, the Bengals and the Cardinals. When I mean, obviously, they should have beat the Cardinals because they missed a chip shot field goal. But I, I just see the Browns. Like, when I'm looking at lines, I think this line should have been, you know, two or three going into the weekend, except the thing was that, you know, the Vikings had a big win against the Seahawks yesterday. They dominated that game pretty much from start to finish. They were missing Dalvin Cook, but... Alexander Madison stepped right in, filled that role, um, had 100 plus yards, 50 plus receiving yards. So I just, I mean, I just see like people are going to be like, oh, the Vikings, an underdog at home, you know, they should be in this game. But I think the Browns are one of the elite teams in the NFL. And I think they come in and kind of take care of business against the Vikings on a, you know, and these matchups, these AFC, NFC matchups are a little weird because the teams don't know each other as well as they do, you know, in a divisional game where it's a little bit tighter. Or, you know, even an AFC-AFC matchup where they kind of know these the tendencies of these teams. Like, these coaches are kind of going into this matchup and they don't really know these other teams because they don't really study them the same way they study their own conference. So, I just see the Browns kind of coming in and winning that game, you know, outright and and kind of easily beating the Vikings. Stefan- this is Stefanski revenge game, right? Yeah. That'll be exciting. Not, probably not revenge at all. It's probably a nice, nice game. You know, Vikings gave me the start. Now I'm a head coach. Much appreciated. Well, that's another good point. He knows their system way more than the Browns know his, you know, the Vikings know his system because he's probably changed things up as well. I would um, say maybe. So, but we don't, I mean, that's those are things like inside football that we don't know how much coaches change or how much they're changing their play calling or how they run their offense or organize it out of, you know, play action sets, stuff like that. That's, that's stuff for us that it's hard to understand at like that next level inside football stuff that we can't get it get into. Odell Beckham looked good. Right? I mean he looked good. He looked uh agile, I think. Especially limber. coming off that injury. Yeah. I mean I thought I thought, oh, this is limit the snap count, get him out there, kind of treat it like a preseason game. But he's he was hundred percent go, took more most of the snaps. So I think that's a good sign for the Browns, you know, to have another wide receiver out there that can make make or break plays for him. I guess that makes sense to a degree. Like if you're I mean you're going hard in practice all week, you're scrimmaging against your team like, why not go all out in the actual game? 
right? I mean, like if someone wants to be a jerk and target your knee, fine. Like that, you know, that's going to happen if you're playing 20 snaps. Uh, but, you know, you might as well play 50 and just go nuts. and Right? You're back. Go for it. Makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so mine is the Panthers plus four, which I found kind of crazy. Like, I like maybe I'm just the only person who's not in love with Dallas. Um, but, like, I, I thought this would have been Panthers minus four, the way that they're playing. And, by the way, it's breaking news. They just traded Dan Arnold, which is kind of weird to me. I mean, when things are going so well, why would you mess with your offense like this? But I'm sure there's a reason. And they needed a cornerback, and they got one. Um, but Dan Arnold now going to the uh, the Jags, and uh, like th- so obviously I put this in, and then ten minutes ago Dan Arnold got traded. I'm, I don't think it's going to mess with too much of the chemistry there, and like I don't, you know, he just got there, so it's not like he was the greatest locker room guy in the world. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting deal. They gave up Arnold and a third, but I saw man, just the Panthers are good, and even if Christian McCaffrey's not back. Um, which I doubt he will be. That type of injuries, you know, I think a two to three, two to four week kind of thing. They kind of just picked up where he left off. I, you know, I just like them. I like the Panthers. Their defense is great. Dallas just has a history of kind of just bumbling their way into these games they're supposed to win. So, Panthers plus four, man. I'm gonna take the Panthers money line on this. I'm I'm all in on the Panthers here, big time. Sam Darnold is good. Sam Darnold is very good, and he was supposed to be three years ago. And the Jets messed him up. Yes, yes. How do you rate the Panthers' defense? Because they've had kind of similar to the Broncos. They've had a kind of a weak schedule to get started here. But I mean, they're generating pressure up the middle. They're getting to the quarterback. You know, Brian Burns seems like he's one of the elite players in the league. How do you like rate the Panthers' defense just across the board? They remind me of like the Ron Rivera Panthers, actually, like that, like that style. Like let's like they're good. You know, and I'm speaking for fantasy terms, like throwing their DST in the top. Six or seven. Um, I would say if you're just an NFL team facing the Panthers, it's probably in Casey Joyner's red zone. Uh, I would say one of the f- four to six that you don't want to face right now. How's that? Especially if they get their, tr- I mean, they're giving up a lot for a cornerback. That's just going to strengthen the secondary. Um, yeah, I would say top four to six. How about that? And I believe in Washington, too. I would put Washington in that six. I think they're going to turn it around and be fine. For the record. I don't know. Where would you have? You asked the question. You probably have something in mind. No, I mean, I just I just think they're, you know, the way they got off after the Texans on Thursday night was impressive to me. They just seem like they're taking care of business. I think Matt Rule is a really good coach. He seems like he doesn't make any, like, really bad, like, Andy Reid-ish type coaching decisions. You know, it just seems like they have it all together in the Panthers and you know I think they're losing Christian McCaffrey is going to hurt and I mean I don't think that's reflected in this line at all because they're just gonna say oh we'll throw out Chubba Hubbard and running backs are kind of running backs but I think Christian McCaffrey is like an elite running back that gives them Sam Darnold so many dump offs like McCaffrey's always open on a dump off if because he'll go block and chip and then he'll just run out into the flat and if the wide receiver's not open or Robbie Anderson didn't get down the field like he just dumps it off to McCaffrey, and that's a great option for Darnold, uh, which is why it's interesting that they traded the tight end because that he could have been his, you know, his backup, you know, dump off if McCaffrey's out. So, right. But I, I mean, I think I don't think maybe the, that just makes me worry a little bit about the Panthers because McCaffrey's probably gonna be out, like you said, two to three weeks, maybe more. But you know, Darnold's Darnold's proven himself to be a capable quarterback in these first three weeks. That the Jets obviously kind of messed him up because. 
Rule and the Panthers immediately went after him when he was available, and they were like, oh, this is going to be our guy. Because they could have just re-signed Teddy Bridgewater, and they knew that they wanted this quarterback. So, I mean, you have a guy who, you know, in his draft was rumored to be going number one. You know what I mean? Like, like he was that good, and just actually, Salfino wrote some good stuff. I think it, I can't. I don't remember if it was his column or his tweet, but he wrote like, and this is they're talking about now about Zach Wilson is like, and this is like the basis of it all is maybe the Jets weren't good enough to go after this quarterback and instead should have traded that pick for a bunch of them and kept their guy who could have been the number one pick several years ago. You know, like, I mean, this is doesn't have the same stench, but I don't know. It was, it was, it was, enough about the Jets. we got to finish the show. Also, shout out to Royce Freeman, who I think, like, Chubba Hubbard's going to be fine, but I think Royce Freeman has that versatility, that Christian McCaffrey-style versatility. It sucks that Reggie Bonifon was IR-waved. I was just looking that up while you were talking. Like, where's Reggie Bonifon? Because he was supposed to be Christian McCaffrey. He modeled himself after Christian McCaffrey. But he was IR-waved. And I don't even know if we should worry more that he's injured or that maybe they just didn't want him anymore. I don't know. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, good show. Do it. It was a good time. Yeah. Thanks. Let's hopefully uh, these lines move our direction and get some value, clothing line value, and have another good week. Yeah. Everybody, uh... Keep checking us out all throughout the week. We got a lot coming, a lot going, a lot of columns, all good stuff. Uh, we do for James Holzhauer in the next couple weeks, too, which should be good. So, thank you very much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed Best on the Board. For Andrew DeWitt, for DVR in the background, for Michael Beller on vacation, I'm Adafino. Goodbye. <laughs>